1: Welcome back, everyone, to Buff Hub, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. Again, I am your host, Steve Vega, and today, finally, it's been a long time coming, guys. Uh, He is my first guest in probably a little over six months. (laughs) So I've basically been trying to hone in on just running this podcast on my own for a little bit just to really hone in on my skills. But who better to learn from today than Mr. Joe Miller himself, from buffalo rumblings host of the overreaction buffalo podcast uh for buffalo rumblings uh i miss you how are you joe
2: <laughs> you miss me <laughs> uh i'm doing good uh thanks for having me i appreciate uh, appreciate the invite appreciate the opportunity to uh be here and chat with you for a couple minutes
1: yeah yeah absolutely no and um i'm so excited to finally catch up with everyone on the channel i'm looking forward to talking to um everyone literally everyone's awesome. on the list I, I got guys from even up to beat reporters that i want to catch up with awesome. um everyone's been pretty busy so it's been and hard to uh and I get, get to hard from anyone.
2: and I get to be the first which is awesome so thank you yeah
1: Appreciate absolutely it. absolutely so guys today uh, just going to give you a couple of points that we're going to break down um what are the bills missing um how many more years does sean mcdermott deserve as head coach Then we're going to go into two last questions. Do the bills have a problem at developing young talent? And finally, what are three positives we can conjure together, Joe, uh, Mm. that we can take from this season and just kind of finish it off from there? Because I think obviously, Joe, there's a lot that we can talk about. That is easily, even though it's a positive, we can turn it into a negative. Um, so we're going to try to leave everything on a good note, although we are going to tackle some of these tough questions and, um, I'm going to pick your brain, uh, I was watching you and Jay Spence last night mm. um and you know it's it's so awesome to see you guys number one congrats to Jay Spence he is oh, yeah. the editor-in-chief now uh, running Buffalo rumblings and um, it's awesome you know I'm so proud of him and and we've Same. all been kind of on this little journey together running mm-hmm. this this platform um, for Bill's fans you know what I mean and we're not experts yeah. right we're not experts Joe
2: Right. I am definitely not an expert (laughs) marking up the wrong tree. If you're looking for an expert.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's something that, um, I feel like some people think when you run a podcast, you try to like have all these hot like points and things you're trying to make like, no, it's honestly, I am talking to anyone on this podcast. The way I talk to the guys at work, the way I talk to my father when he calls me on the way back home from work or when he's, whenever we just want to talk, um, That's kind of what my vision has been with Buff Hub to connect with people. And um, so, Joe, let's just be real here. Obviously, we saw a lot of players come and go. um, But now the Bills are sitting here with a big question mark on what is missing. And um, so after this season, I know it's a broad question, as some of these are going to be. But uh, trying to hone in on what's going on with the Bills at this moment, you know, what do you think is missing with these Buffalo Bills to take it to that next step and at least just get to a Super Bowl?
2: Well, the easiest thing that they're missing, and obviously they've got somewhat of an answer on this roster already, who was injured, is a pass rush. An effective, sustained, efficient, constant pass rush, whether with four or whether, you know, you are mixing it in with some some scheme stuff or some blitzes and things like that. But the hard part about the whole situation is the fact that, you know, you you were relying early on a very, you know, rather old, aging Vaughn Miller, who looks spry and young, but 32, 33 is not exactly... 25 or 26 Uh, and then you know inevitably he gets hurt as we all know and then the pass rush you know two first rounders on that defensive line two second rounders on that defensive line Daquan Jones was a big addition bringing Jordan Phillips back bringing Jack Lawson back you know bringing in Tim Settle and they just could not mount a pass rush at all. And that clearly showed itself towards well throughout ever since Vaughn got hurt on Thanksgiving, it showed itself, but it really came to play and came up big in the both playoff games, both against the Dolphins as well as against the Bengals. And probably the week before that, before the playoffs as well against the uh the Patriots. But you know you can probably give them a a little bit of a pass the week before against the Patriots just because that was, you know, the week after the uh, DeMar Hamlin game, there wasn't a lot of preparation. There wasn't a lot of game planning. It was obviously a tough week for them mentally and emotionally and stuff like that. Second thing they're missing is a number two wide receiver. The Bills took a huge gamble and uh, missed, whiffed big time on two things as it pertains to the wide receiver group. Number one, expecting and believing that Gabe Davis was ready to slide into that number two spot. And we discovered throughout the entire season that he is he's either not ready or he's not equipped to be a true number two wide receiver uh in the nfl and and what that means is just basically when you take a look at what teams did against the buffalo bills whether it was bracketing stefan Diggs and putting their number one cover corner on gabe davis and basically shutting gabe gabe davis down or however they were trying to run a zone or a scheme against us and then you you add in his 50 percent drop rate and it just doesn't look good the bill's not only need to find a second wide receiver to slide into this, to basically push Gabe back down to where he's very good and very effective. And we're not here to say that Gabe Davis is a bad wide receiver. Some guys just aren't cut out to be a one or a two. You get me a good one, Stefan Diggs. You get me a good number two, like an Emmanuel Sanders. we take coverage. John Brown, when John Brown was here before. And you get a, a really good slot receiver, like a Cole Beasley, who's standing on your doorstep, knocking on the door, wanting to come in. And move Gabe Davis to the fourth wide receiver and he can play very, very effectively and be the guy that you want and need him to be. The third thing uh, that the Bills need is, they, you know, they need some help in that offensive line. So whether it's, you know, you you move Ryan Bates back to left guard and you go draft yourself somewhere in the first round or you move back to the second and you pick up a, a right guard. something that's a kid that can come in and be ready to play. I wouldn't even be opposed to it being a center. And a guy that we kind of you know have waiting in the wings like we did with Eric Wood. Eric Wood, when he got drafted in the first round, I forget what year it was, like, Oh, 0- what was it, 07, 08? And the Bills played him at right guard for a little while before he was ready to take over. Uh, but, yeah, for me, those are the three things. Pass rush, number two wide receiver, and uh, they need a right guard really bad.
1: Yeah, and it's so funny because, you know, how the Bills are practically built is to be just as explosive as, offensively as any team in the nfl
0: right
1: um i I just it's so crazy joe because for me when i really look at this team and i mean you go five and one before the bye week and then Mm. it just turns into this weird debacle and gritty just stretch of like three point games and (laughs) it's like losing to the jets then you lose to minnesota and then you feel like the wheels are going to fall off and then you just have this grinder of a two game stretch against the Browns and the lions. And then you finish off the season strong. Right. Right. And, and, and the, what happens with the Bengals just kind of throws the wheels off the train, so to speak. And I'm, I'm kind of sitting here and I'm just, okay. So like, how much do we peg this team? Because personally, I think if the bills had a guy that was, I'm not saying we need a Joe Mixon, I'm just saying a guy that could just get you those steady four or five yard gains. That basically opens up the offense for everyone. It's yeah. just there's so much tape on this team now on how to defend them and how to stop them. Everyone's trying to match up two teams like Buffalo and Kansas City and now the Bengals in the yep. AFC that whenever they get a chance to you know, bite at their ankles, they're going to do it the best they can and as hard as they can just Agreed. to prove a point that they're on the rise. You saw that with the Jets. You saw that. Mm. Um, You know, <laughs> with the Dolphins, my goodness, mm-hmm. uh, these teams that are just they linger and sometimes they get into the playoffs and you still beat them. But you're you're bumped, you're bruised, you're battered. Um, I think the only way to really stifle those teams is to develop a very strong run game. And again, we're we're back at square one. But I think. Personally, I'm not going to be too harsh after really looking at the stats and really looking at this team over this year. And I'm going to say, you know what, there's a lot of upside with this run game as long as they can figure out guys on the offensive line that can just fit the scheme better. I just think the flopping around, the Cody Ford trade, the this, the that, and injuries are just – its offensive line had their own separate soap opera going on that we can get into another day. But, okay, now that we're here – and we're we're distressed, and then we're we're like, what is it? The five stages of grief. Um, <laughs> I feel like we're past all of it. I mean, look, let's just be real here now, right? Um, I feel like everyone's pretty much calmed down a whole lot after we saw the Bengals get you know get smacked out. It's fine. We're feeling yeah, better. <laughs> it's right, a little bit right. of ointment on the wound, I guess. Um, how many more years does Sean McDermott really deserve as a head coach? With you got to think about it. The, the NFL is evolving. Uh, defensive head coaches are. for some reason still getting hired still getting all this um push by gms but yet you're seeing who's left Mm -hmm. offensive head coach head coaches running teams now what do you think about sean mcdermott now running the bills um i mean he's he's obviously brought this team a very long ways uh basically starting from scratch and now we're (laughs) <laughs> it's funny we're, we're not satisfied and some yeah. people are even saying we want to fire him all right well what now what now Joe what do you feel about Sean McDermott um as far as let's let's what does he have a five-year plan left a 10-year plan left what do you feel
2: so Sean McDermott is an interesting conversation and it's primarily because so many members of Bill's Mafia just don't even understand what his job is The amount of times that I had to, you know, take a a tweet or answer a question or have a conversation with somebody, you know, who's asking me, you know, I just can't believe that Sean McDermott would sit down Kair Elam for this game. And it's just a ridiculous thought that Sean McDermott like walks into not only Leslie Frazier's office, but the defensive backs like coach's office and is like, hey, by the way, Kair Elam isn't playing this week. Like, it's just a it's ridiculous. Sean McDermott is a CEO, right? He is the leader of a football franchise. And the, the coordinators are the respective CEOs of their offense and their defense and their special teams. And then they've got, you know, subsequent managers that follow in and fall in behind all of them. Even if, you know, you're in the military, if you think about just kind of rank and how rank yeah. and file works. So the reality is, is Sean McDermott, while he is a defensive minded head coach and probably has, you know, he's probably involved a little more in the off in the defensive scheming and the defensive game plans. And he's probably, you know, got his ear pinned a little bit more there than he does on the on the offensive side he's allowing Leslie Frazier you know to do his job he's allowing Ken Dorsey to do his job now the question is is how does he run his organization so is he a situation is it a situation where you have a game plan for the year and you've got an idea for the year and a concept for the year and you go forward and you're a minimal tweaker through and we're just going to as he says trust the process and see where it gets us and trust what we've built and what we've put together or is he a Herky-jerky, got to change everything, and this isn't working. Throw that out. Throw this out. It doesn't seem like he's the latter. It seems like he's the former. He's more of a steady Eddie. Let's keep going. Let's tweak where we need to tweak, but let's keep the ship going forward, which is what he did. Now, to answer your question, how much time does he get? I don't know. Do you guys want to go back to Mike Malarkey? Do you want to go back to Dick Geron? Do you want to go back to, you know, Doug Marone? Do you want to go back to Rex Ryan? Do you want to go back to people that don't win football games because culture? is a huge thing and culture trumps strategy every day of the week. And Sean McDermott has changed the culture of this organization. As you said, I'm on a show with John Fina and John Fina will tell you that when Greg Williams and Tom Donahoe came into this organization, that the culture completely went from amazing and the place where everybody wanted to be to one of the worst cultures that anybody had ever been a part of. And it lasted for 17 years. So think about that for a second. So for me, as much as I want to get over the hump and I want to win a Super Bowl or at least go to a Super Bowl, I think you give him the amount of time that he needs to finish the job. Now, that being said, if things are going on, like similar to where we are right now where Leslie Frazier, you know, do you go into another year with Leslie Frazier and nothing changes again next year? Do you go into this year with Ken Dorsey and nothing changes next year? And then Sean McDermott is is faced with a decision like, well, this has been two years of this. I need to make some changes or do I just keep basically pounding the table with these two guys? Well, we know Sean McDermott has made difficult decisions before he fired Rick Dennison, his first year offensive coordinator, his first season. So he let him go. So we know that he can make difficult decisions. He fired his special teams coordinator. So we know that he's capable of doing it. The question is, is at what point, you know, and when, but I don't, I can't foresee moving on from Sean McDermott. I mean, the kid, the dude is just—he's young, he's talented, he's a leader of men. The culture that he has makes people want to play here. And like I said, it's—it's it's funny how quickly we forget what it was like to have Dick, the, 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 you know, seven and nine Dick Jaron for five years. And uh, no, poke me in the eye with a stick before we
3: go back to that.
1: <laughs> you know, and and you know what's so crazy, Joe, is I look back this week and I, I really tried to
3: support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning as a parent and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com.
1: Almost like, you know, when, whenever, like I personally just went on the longest trip, I almost think you can do, and li- literally it's, I drove across the entire United States from
2: mm.
1: Vegas to <laughs> New Jersey.
2: That's a long drive. And
1: it was a long drive, and it took me a couple of weeks after, be- actually, no, it took me about a month and a half after being here finally on the Northeast Coast to realize, wow, I did that. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, I had to do this. I had to, I had to be careful with that. Like, there were so many things I, had to- I encountered on the road. I encountered in different places right. and whatever right. have you, having, a- having my son with me, a two-year-old, trying to keep him in her. I'm just like, how did I do it? Right. And you look back, and some things, sometimes they happen so fast. And you're trying to get your your hands back on the wheel, right? And I think Mm -hmm. this is kind of what happened with Buffalo. They 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 didn't, I don't think they anticipated to be a Super Bowl contender as fast as they as fast as they did um when it happened. I mean, literally, we went a year removed from uh the Deshaun Watson debacle, you know, in that Houston game in the playoffs to the next year. Whoa. Right. Josh Allen put everyone on notice. And afc championship and then it just started to turn into this huge conversation of josh allen you know is is going up against patrick mahomes toe for toe and he sure as hell has now i i think now it's like okay but at what cost right that's that's the thing right now if you really look at the whole situation at large it costs buffalo so much to stay relevant within Mm. the last two years that now it's kind of like okay it's almost like this loss was a blessing in disguise. Maybe they could pull back a little bit. And I've been recommending this since middle of the season. Like mm. maybe we should as fans be comfortable with a year mini rebuild. Yeah, well, they These,
2: rebuild. Yeah, to your point, yes.
1: I'm not I'm not saying like let's implode everything, but damn Let's restructure the offensive line and get the right guys in the secondary for the future and try to figure out what this identity of the Buffalo Bills really is. Because if we're going to go year to year, it's a, you know, boxing match sellout, so to speak, where, you know, these are the price of the tickets and we're going all in. This is the, it's like, okay, it, it doesn't feel right to me because I'm looking at all these other teams that they're just. They're getting better and better and better. Look at what the Chiefs did. Look at the bold move they did with trading away Tyreek Hill and still made it to the Super Bowl. Right. 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 It's like you have to look at that and realize as a fan base, guys, I get the whole verbiage of if it ain't broke, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But I guess at this point, it's like it's not that it's broken. It's that if if we're trying to hit this goal of winning a Super Bowl, it's not good enough, and right. maybe we need to re- reevaluate a lot of levels of this team. You have your quarterback, you have your coach, and, and you know that's kind of where I stand with that. Now, Joe, maybe we could wrap these last two questions uh, together uh, just for time's sake here. So, do the Bills have a problem developing young talent? And then wrap it up with what are three positives we can take. Um, from last
2: season, so I don't know that they've got an issue developing young talent. The problem is, is I don't know what the expectation is, right? So Sterling Furrow, Buffalo uh, Rumblings contributor Sterling Furrow would tell you that uh, that they do have a problem developing young young talent. Um, and I think what you have to do is you have to weigh that against you know how much development are other teams doing of players versus how much development. And I said this on the Hump Day Hotline: how much development are the players you know kind of expected to do on their own? So you take a Josh Allen. Who you know they didn't develop him much during the season, although he he could take misses and mistakes, his hips being open or closed or you know arm angle stuff or, or you know sight line things and just how he's seeing the field and he could change it week to week. Most of his development happened in the off season in you know with his time with Jordan Palmer and and throwing with the guys where he was he would get with Jordan Palmer and you know along with Sam Darnold and some of those Jared Allen and some not Jared Allen. Uh kyle allen and some other guys like that and then he would take that that he learned from from jordan palmer and he would put it into practice with the guys when he would get together and throw with them so you know you see josh allen kind of responsible for some of his own development now i've heard that there's an expectation that these guys kind of come in somewhat quote unquote ready to play which is ridiculous when you look at the college game versus the pro game and obviously the coordinators are there now now aaron cromer if you look at the offensive line you know, his gift is, is getting guys to play their best without completely changing their mechanics. So how can I take your mechanics and use them to your benefit? How can I get, take your mechanics and use them as a strength versus try to re, trying to rebuild you as an offensive lineman. You know, when you've got a young guy, it's easier to rebuild a guy than it is when you've got an old dog who's kind of set in his ways. So, you know, it, I don't know. I don't know that I've got that answer. I don't know. And it might be different team to team. When you look at a guy like James Cook, you know, and this would be one of the positives. What you know, what are one of the what are three positives? James Cook, you watched him develop through the season. You watched him go from, you know, a young kid that you know was out on the field and looked like he was just didn't know what he was doing and which way was up to by the end of the season being a relatively quality running back that would set up his blocks, find his hole, dart through it, make decisions, make quick decisions. He would protect the football. He had a lot of long gainers. Like, he's a great positive. So we watched development there. We've seen development in guys throughout Sean McDermott's career here with, you know, Jordan Poyer. Jordan Poyer wasn't Jordan Poyer when he was a a Brown. If he was, he'd still be a Brown. Jordan Poyer barely played. So when he got here, you know, there was some development there. But you can see guys and stuff like that that developed here, and then there's other guys that kind of have it. Cody Ford was one of those guys that didn't really develop. So I would take, so for me, three positives. One would be James Cook. Another positive to me um, is the fact that, you know, you've got a good young defensive backfield. We're not sure what's going to happen with Jordan Poyer. My expectation is is they're, they're going to draft a safety, but you know, a positive is that Von Miller is going to play football again. He's going to come back to this defensive line and the question is, is what are they going to do with it? So that to me is a positive. And then the third positive is what we saw out of Tremaine Edmonds when he was basically clean off the snap of the ball. And what that means is the problem he had his first four years is that if the defensive line was lacking so much that every time the ball was snapped, he had a blocker on him immediately versus being able to run free, which is a lot of what we saw this year from Tremaine Edmonds. He was able to run free, shoot gaps, dissect play. So to me, James Cook is a positive, Tremaine Edmonds is a positive, and we have a very young, stout defensive backfield that is going to carry us for several years, in my opinion. That's fantastic,
1: Joe. Like literally, I <laughs> I agree with everything you said. You well, know, and and for me, you know, I'm sitting here looking at do we have a problem developing young talent? And I I think it's just the timeline issue. I just don't think that because, you know, everyone's so stressed about the Super Bowl window, they haven't really had time to maybe develop exactly how they would like to, how they would love to. I think, let's say, if the Bills were coming off of a 6-10 and season or even worse than that, right, we're going to give the Bills three years to figure everything out. But as of right now, it's like, okay, we're coming off of winning seasons. You know, what are you really dissatisfied with? You know what? For me, I'm looking at the young talent, and I'm saying to myself, I think that, you know, the problem is – It's just the hastiness that I feel with the drafting right now. Mm -hmm. I I just see all of these other players that are fantastic just going off of the board right before, um, you know, Buffalo, you know, takes their guy. And it's always the same old excuse that I am tired of. It's like, oh, that, you know. If if we were just two more spots up, then trade a sixth round to go get the guy. If he means that much to you, because now he's blowing up the scene on another team. Right. And you're looking at all of these players that have been developing. And that's what I'm saying. Let's pump the brakes and let's just focus on drafting. Well, not drafting based off of what we think other teams are going to go after. Who cares? There's so Mm -hmm. much talent that goes by the wayside in this league all the time because everyone wants to go with the measurables and this or that it doesn't matter who fits your team who fits your scheme and who fits the makeup of who you are that's all that matters to me in my opinion the bills need to really recalibrate in this scouting department on you know finding the right guys at skill positions that you know we are desperate for but um also we need depth for you know not not just you know i think what happened with the whole you have Boogie Basham and Gregory Rousseau, and they were put underneath so much pressure. I think we should have drafted someone else besides Boogie Basham. Not two defensive ends within the high couple of picks there. Um, now, with all that being said, I'm going to round this off with the positives. I'm going to take. I'm going to start off with two players that I think had a fantastic season. I was very, I was very impressed by them. Matt Milano, number one, All-Pro, yeah. uh, first team All-Pro, excuse me, Pro Bowler, just. This was the year I was so excited for him after, you know, you could just tell he was so hungry and wanting to really mm-hmm. make up after getting burnt by Kelsey in the game of a lifetime.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And then Daquan Jones, uh, just coming straight out of, you know, nowhere, basically onto the scene. We picked him up in free agency. I think him and Von Miller are so vicious. Oh, yeah. I, I think that he almost gives you the liberty to move on from a guy and trade. At Oliver, do I want to trade at Oliver? I don't. I think I do. he's great for Buffalo, but I think, what do you do? I mean, put him on the edge at this point, right? Because right. if he's not right. going to get pressure up the middle for what he's technically, uh, you know, labeled as a defensive tackle to do, and he's rushing the passer, I bet he could do it better than Boogie Basham. You right. know, that's just kind of how I see it. But um, you know, and finally, I just want to round it off with the resiliency of this team. Um, I think that obviously a lot of things were just crazy. They felt they felt like the it just felt like the Bills were under attack from the beginning of this season. That's how it felt. Um so many like games that you just felt were absolutely playoff games. Agreed. And the Bills have to learn how to manage themselves emotionally, take what the defense gives them more often than not. Um and yeah, The running game is going to be huge next year. I I think there's a lot to um, be said about, you know, the development in the future of these young guys and what we're going to do at the running back room. I'd be very completely shocked if they re-signed a Devin Singletary. You're not. But, um, yeah. (laughs) But, Joe, hey, I didn't want to take up too much of your time today. Please give the audience um, just all the platforms you're on. Definitely tell them about the Off Tackle Fina show. I don't know if you guys are still going, but, man, I literally – you'll find me – my wife will find me every single week watching that show with a cigar in one hand and a six-pack in the other. Please go ahead and let the audience know where they can find so, you talent.
2: So the platform I'm currently on is the platform that's called A Break. Um, yeah, so it's been, a, it's been a pretty busy season. I did a bunch of shows, so I had the Overreaction post-game show, which airs at, you know normally on Sundays, but was you know there was a lot of primetime games, so it was after those games as well. Monday is the off tackle with John Fina show at eight o'clock on Mondays. And then Wednesday was the hump day hotline with Jay Spence, the King. And then I was also doing, I started doing right around, I think it was October, November. Uh, I started, I booted up my old uh, podcast, RSS feed that, you know, the overreaction Buffalo podcast, which is just a podcast that I've had forever that I got away from. When I went to Fanatics and then I went, when I went to Rumblings from there. So I was doing that three days a week as well, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So if you want to find me, just stick with anything Rumblings. Most of your listeners probably know who I am uh, on Rumblings. And if you want to find some extra content for me that, from me that's going to be starting up again soon, go to your favorite podcast platform. Type in Buffalo or Overreaction Buffalo, and it'll pop up with my 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 Buffalo head logo thing and then uh yeah just subscribe and uh you'll you'll get the rest of my content mafia monday uh, wake up wednesday and rapid fire friday where i basically interview somebody just throw 10 rapid fire questions at them so yeah so that's me
1: hell yeah joe hey i'm living closer to buffalo now i just visited my brother a couple of weeks ago i say we have a guy's date yeah i'm gonna call it a guy's date at gabriel's gate or something where's your go-to spot so i know when to hit you up and where to meet you at
2: this is tough because, like, people get angry. Um, so, I've not been to Gabriel's Gate yet. Uh, I did go to Wing Nuts and wasn't a fan. Uh, just, <laughs> it just was different. And it, it was, so it was, I'm not a wing snob, but I'm kind of a wing snob, right? So, when yeah. you go to a place like Barbill and that cook, the way, that, the way the cook is at Bill and the way the sauces are now, the sauces at Wing Nuts were great, but the way they cooked the wing was a little bit different. And for me, inside of Erie County, I'm a traditionalist. I can step away from the hot, medium, and mild because I lived in Columbus, Ohio for 13 years and was stuck going to Buffalo Wild Wings. So I'm used to getting different flavors. Their wings aren't good. Their cook is awful. But give me a good cook with a good with a good sauce, whether it's hot, medium, or mild, or something different. But the wing nuts cook was just a little different. Like, I I got one. I got one. I think I got the Cajun, and they were just like drenched. Like literally. (laughs) I mean, imagine pulling it out of. Imagine sticking a chicken wing in chocolate syrup and pulling it out and how coated it would be. Oh, man. That's what the wings were like. It was just too much. Um, And I know that some people love that. Like, for some people, it's like, oh, my gosh, there's so much sauce. And I like them saucy, but that was just a little bit, yeah. So I would love to go to Gabriel's Gate. That'd be fun. But, uh, yeah, you can't go wrong with Barbell right now. I'm not a Duff's fan either. Uh, (gasps) Yeah, just one of those. They're just too salty. Yeah,
1: that's so funny. Like, literally, so I hadn't had buffalo pizza and buffalo wings in ages. Literally. Yeah. it's it's been over a decade i went to carbone's pizza got buffalo style pizza which which i'm a i'm a huge fan of now yeah. um and then i i went to duff's it was my first time at duff's believe it or not i know don't <laughs> yell at me bills fans but You're yeah fine. it was it was <laughs> i had lenova i forgot what else i had growing up um i was so young and then i would visit back and forth but mm-hmm. you know i'm looking forward to going back uh maybe going to Bar Bill. let's just call it barbill then i'll meet you yeah. at Bar Bill. that let's sounds do that. good we'll do that <laughs> thank you joe so much for joining me and ladies and gentlemen thank you again for joining me on buff up a buffalo rumblings podcast i always finish finish this podcast off the way i always do thank you first responders and military for your service and what you do for our community and our countries our country and our communities excuse me guys enjoy the rest of your weekend go bills still enjoy the super bowl it's coming up soon um maybe you won't it's fine <laughs> have a great rest of your weekend guys go bills
2: football players.